The views and opinions expressed on Analyze This are entirely those of the on-air participants and do not reflect those of the station's board, management, staff, or underwriters. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Happy Friday. I am Summer Sibley Brown filling in for Neville James as the host of Analyze This from WTJX FM 93.1, your NPR station in the Virgin Islands. Hello out there in the listening audience. It is a overcast um, it's an overcast Friday. Um, it's been an overcast week, um, but happy that, you know, um, flash flood warning, I believe, is being lifted. I'll get more information on that. And lucky that we didn't have as much rains as predicted. So I hope, you know, you, while I enjoy rain, I hope you enjoyed the rain. And for those who, you know, have blue roofs thinking about y'all, hope y'all are safe. Um, it's Friday. And I'm usually in in studio, right, working on the Candidate Speaks, but today is not a Candidate Speaks series. Today, we're actually going to have a guest in studio, and it will be Dr. Brittany Dawson, who is a, I'm going to say her acronym, her letters, D-N-P-A-P-R-N-C-N-M, which is a, she's a certified nurse midwife. Um, she's a women's health advocate. Um, and she, she advocates for access to equitable care. Um, and she's also a Virgin, I- she's also a Virgin Islander, right? She's also a native Virgin Islander. Um, she graduated from St. Croix Educational Complex. Um, and then she went on to get a Bachelor of Science degree and worked her way to becoming like a registered nurse. And so she's going to come and tell her own story. And then after that, we will have on um, someone, people from the civic sector, we'll have on... S- Crucian Heritage and Nature Tourism, which is CHANT, and Synchro Environmental Association, which we know as C. And um, we're going to find out what Miss um, Frandell Gerard and Jennifer Valulis has been up in our been up to in our two. So while we wait for um, while we wait for Brittany to arrive at the studio, we are we you know let's just check in. How you doing today? If you you know driving into work. Um, it has been an interesting week. Let me recap. Um, we've had the opportunity to again talk to several candidates um, on their position. We've had the opportunity to kind of dissect the dissect. I want to say entrepreneurial ecosystems. My brain froze, right? But we talked to Alan Nance about entrepreneurial ecosystems. So last night was startup battle. So hopefully the rain held up in St. Thomas. Um, and so shout out to startup battle. It, we will have a winner, right? We Today we'd have a winner. There were five people competing on stage for $100,000. They were pitching and selling their business just found out the boomerang eats team one um from saint croix shout out khalid and zaid um shout out almina salim that's exciting so crucians went to saint thomas a little healthy competition and the boomerang eats team so congratulations for winning startup battle and then you know there was a there was a concert um up on that mountaintop with, with pressure bus pipe so can't wait to follow up and have a conversation with Alan Nance, um, whether it's in person or on air when Neville come back. But I would also like to find out from Khalid and Zaid what that experience was. And not just from Khalid and Zaid, but from the other five 
persons participating. That's that's a lot. You had hundreds of people in the audience. The, the pressure of it all, watching you just kind of like pitch, <laughs> like say this is why you should invest in me, and they won. Yay! I'm so excited. And so I know, like that's that's that that turned me up this morning to find out that. Khalid and Zaid won. Crucians represented. Next year, startup battle. Um, it's going to be on St. Croix. Alan said we're going to be talking about this for years and years and years to come because this was only, what, number one, but we're going to get to number eight and number 21. He said we're going to have some coffee about this when we're like 58 um, and still looking young. So that was super great. Um, and we also talked about... You know, this week, we also had VI Forum on. We talked about music and access to music and expanding palettes. Um, and that palette being, you know, we, we talk about food a lot, but the palette being expanding people's cultural opportunities through cultural exchange and that the music series, you know, it's going to run from now until, I don't want to give you the wrong Information, So I'm going to look that up because I have it written out. But it starts on Saturday. And then we heard from a chef from Kenya. Um, and he was talking about, you know, his experience in Bushcook Chef Cook and, and how amazing that was. And the lovely um, but by far intelligent and graceful um, Brittany Dawson is in studio. I mean, she's lovely, but the things that's, that, that go above that are, you know, I'm, I'm always just impressed um, with the level of intelligence and, and a little bit of fire, too, that you experience, you know, in her advocacy. And so we're going to go ahead and get her set so we could jump into our conversation because we don't have unlimited time with these professionals who are taking care of our health. So <laughs> I want to jump right into it. Perfect. And then you just position a mic. Exactly. Good morning. Good morning. I'm so excited to first. I want to say I'm so excited to see you because I'm just so happy um, to lay eyes on other fellow fire firehearted Virgin Islanders that are out here doing amazing things, and it's really really good to see just good people. Yeah. So yes. usually, you know, I I love to dive into the heart of it, mm -hmm. and when we when we get so tell people who you are. So I. I am Dr. Brittany Dawson. On the professional level, I'm a midwife, a nurse practitioner here in the territory. I, I love the term child of the soil is one of my favorite things to say. So I am a child of the soil, you know, multi-generational Virgin Islander. Um, and just uh, overall, I would like to say kind person out here just trying to service my community like everyone else, I think. Um, and... That's it. That's really all I got. I, I I don't know what else to say. Well, you know, you could be anywhere in the world and you choose to be home. Why did you? So that's the, I mean, why did you choose to come home? I think it, real transparency. I was living in the mainland um, for a long time since I was 18. And I had always talked about coming home and being being a midwife here and opening a birth center and doing all these really big things. And I ended up um, transitioning my life to the States to go to school, to get my education, to do the things we we're supposed to do. Right. So when I got there, I realized I was fighting all the time, like fighting with providers, fighting with um, the systems that are, you know, bias and social injustices in the states and the large amount of racism and systemic bias that exists there within healthcare and I was constantly like at battle and at odds with those systems and I finally 
got to a place when I had moved from New York to Atlanta um, and I was just really exhausted and I was like, why am I fighting so hard for these communities when I should be home fighting for my own community? And I just followed my heart and I came home. Um, and I will say that in following my heart, I put a couple feelers out there and I would say that my community welcomed me back um, rather quickly. When, the minute I sent out a couple of resumes to the hospitals, I applied in St. Thomas, I applied in St. Croix, and I, you know, to this day, I've never heard from St. Thomas, but St. Croix was on it. Within two weeks, they were like, let's interview. I had an interview. A week after that, I had an offer. They were like, whoops, we'll relocate you. Let's go. Like, let's do this. And I was like, this was, I, I knew it was the right decision because the doors just opened and have continued to open since coming back. Well, I'm glad you're home. Yeah. Um, and you talked about, like, fighting the systemic oppression and the inequities in healthcare. I'm going to just lay it out there. Are, do you feel like they're the same here or different? They're very different. So in when you, when you are a black woman, and this is just real bold and just out there. So when you are a black woman in healthcare in America, you are one in a few, right? So when you are one in a few, your voice um, should be amplified, but it's actually not amplified. So if you have an issue or a problem and you bring it up, it's almost like, oh, they assume that it's that you're just black and being sensitive. So and when you're like, no, let me push the data. Let me show you what's going on. And you're constantly like to be taken seriously. You have to be the smartest and not even the smartest. You have to be 10 times smarter than them. Um, and then coming home, it was different. What it was, it was like, it's access. Like we have so much access in the States, but access to that access here is so limited. So our, our people, our women, cause I, I work in women's health, our women are actually having better outcomes here in the territory than you would have in major cities in America. They are dying at much larger rates in the States than they are here. So it almost breaks my heart when I hear women say they're afraid to deliver at the hospital when I really want to tell them you are safer here than you would be delivering in the States. And I've had patients go to the States and have literally called me crying in tears wishing they had stayed. Wow. Mm -hmm. You know, so when you said that, I think that turns that turns a, um, a belief system mm -hmm. about our health care. I mean, there's lots of things that we all know have to improve, but that turns a belief system in specific for women. That to me was like eye opening. Um, and when you say access, so I had to tell my God, Chiran, right? It's so funny. I had to tell them we there's two types of access, right? What you're there is access to services which in the states what i'm and you could tell me if what i'm hearing you say is correct which is you know it, there's a lot more health care providers and and health care centers mm -hmm. but it does not translate to acts direct access to services that that are equitable Ex yeah mm -hmm. that are equitable so mm -hmm. you have more of something but it doesn't mean that that more of something is necessarily better or geared towards you Correct. right and and because here we are we are a majority the representation is different and the level of care and the prioritization is different because we are you know 80% of us, 75% of us represent a majority mm -hmm. of people in a system. So we're not, you know, we're not the minority and we're not the minority in America either, right? No. I, hate, I don't like the word minority because it's a misrepresentation of what we are. But in terms of the socioeconomics, mm -hmm. then we represent a, a minority. minority, right? But we actually are the majority of people. And here, that scale is much different. 
Correct. So the the difference is, so we are a minority when you look at healthcare providers. So as a as a black midwife, I would make up less than five percent of midwifery. So that's like a hundred thousand midwives. Less than five percent of us are people of color, and that's not just black. That's just people of color in general, right? So when I walk into a room as a young black midwife, they assume I'm the housekeeper in the states. Whereas where I come in and I walk into a room here and I introduce myself as Dr. Brittany Dawson. Um, it's different because you're surrounded by people that look like us, right? So the care is different because we're actually, this is the first setting I've worked in where this is true community care. And there are, and I will say there are physicians in the territory and providers in the territory that aren't black, but the majority of us look like us. And a lot of them are directly linked to this island. And a lot of them are actually participating in community service and they're doing um, amazing things with what we have, right? So the idea of, like you said, access. So we're they're functioning in, in the mainland in access. So if you need an MRI, you can walk around 16 kanas and there's 16 MRI machines. Whereas here in the territory, we have one or two, you know? Um, and But having access to that care for us means that some of the things that might take us a little longer to accomplish doesn't necessarily mean that you're getting better care because you got it sooner. You know, so our women here in the territory, there are delays to some of the things we wish we could do at a, a faster pace. But when it comes to childbirth and when it comes to like prenatal care and, and primary care, the, the women's health is the, they have some phenomenal providers. And I think that they don't even realize it. I don't think they even realize how amazing their care are. There are section rates, even for C-sections, for instance, um, are lower than most of the major leading education facilities in the States. It's wild, but it's true. No, but you see, it's wild, but it's true. And most people aren't having these conversations, right? Mm -mm. We we because we're insular, right? We're here, we're on an island, we're surrounded by water. We know what we know what we know. And we're not having conversations with um with providers in this way where it's like a real conversation because when you go to your doctor, you're not saying, So hey, what's the C section rate? Nobody's <laughs> yeah, no. And the truth is, I, you know what? I will tell you that, like, I am a queen of data. Like, show me the data. So my first year here, I started collecting data because I did my doctorate project at the hospital at JFL. And when I started collecting the data, I was like, oh, this is interesting. Oh, this is interesting. And even our high-risk numbers and things like that still match, like, what major institutions are doing. But I feel like we're just not in a rush. And it might be a mentality thing. Um, mm. It might just be, a cult, like, cultural. We're just not in a rush. And they're like, you know, we're going to take our time. We're going to, you know, we, we're not in a rush to push no push no one out of a bed or rush to have this baby or rush to get them home from the hospital. The women's care is really gentle. They really are patient centered, which is really what it's about. Um, and everyone has a different approach. Midwives are holistic providers. We tend to take more of a natural approach to things, which is why some women, especially in the territory, would love to have a midwife take care of them. And then physicians, though, they take more of a medical approach because that's what they're trained to do. Um, they still have a lot more patience, you know, and they, they are not in a rush to make something happen. Um, and they're really not in a rush to turn over a bed. So our, our patients are getting a lot more time and a lot more care. Um, as you were talking and you were saying people have different approaches. My grandmother, my father's mm -hmm. mother um, was a nurse mm -hmm. and she functioned, I guess, as the nurse who actually was there with Dr. Dr. Mac, Dr. MacDonald in St. Thomas, who gave birth to me. And I would go um, with my grandmother to his practice. Uh -huh. um, that was like 
summers after school i was always in the office and my grandmother were rough mm-hmm. she are rough like you know like she was verbally like so when you said that and we think think about time and gentleness of care mm-hmm. and the Crucian Caribbean disposition. You know, as we talk about bedside manner, for me My God. My <laughs> so because my grandmother was really rough. Yeah. But she was the most caring person. And so, you know, as we translate now what we understand to be bedside manner mm-hmm. and care against the Crucian cultural mm-hmm. you know the little grit we have but it it's also we are filled with love like when we talk about customer service here you could go to a restaurant and the waitress will be like really and then out of the blue she'll come and be like you want coffee you needed water yeah right yeah because she's yeah. actually paying attention and you are there like tapping on her hand, like when Waiting. this lady coming so like mm-hmm. i just like for the listening audience i was like translation of care mm-hmm. doesn't always translate to like bedside manner disposition especially as we're you know we're working with some of our older nurses shout out my grandmother would have been one of them so mean Mm -hmm. mean train shit after nobody you know i think it's different i think what we're i think we're in a uh age of like social media and an age of like the appearance of things and how things make you feel um i'm not gonna knock the idea that I, you should feel like someone's kind to you when you come and take care of you. But I'm also not going to knock the idea that we are working and existing in extremely rural health under really strenuous circumstances. And people be tired, man. Like, people really be tired. And we are, on a, as a community, struggling. And at a really pivotal point in our in our existence here in the, the upper Caribbean, that this is a time that's going to make or break us. So... If you are coming in and you, you are the patient and you're, I, we understand that you're sick. We understand that you are having a rough day because you wouldn't be here if you wasn't, right? But you have to also catch catch the back end of that and realize that these people are showing up every day in the same ex- existence that you are experiencing on this island and in this Caribbean um, and showing up any way to take care of you, even if they're having a bad day because we're all individuals. I think that we like things that feel good. So you want somebody to come in and say, hey, good morning. Oh my gosh, I'm so happy to be here. My name is Brittany. I'm going to be taking care of you today. But um, really and truly, care doesn't always have to look like that to be really great care. And I think that that's one of the struggles I have with um, people that go off island for care sometimes. And I'm not going to knock because some of the stuff you do need to go away for, there's just, there's limited. So if you go away and they're like, oh, this hospital was so pretty. This hospital was Mm. this. And then they tell me what happened to them. And I'm like, you're not traumatized. You don't feel traumatized. We are going to take a quick break. This is our first break of the hour. We're on with Dr. Brittany Dawson talking health care. We're going to talk a little bit about some other things because she got some things coming up. Um, but after the break, we're going to talk a little bit about rural health care and what health care looks like versus what health care is. All right. Banking for your business. At Bank of St. Croix, our mobile apps provide access to business accounts on the go. And our merchant card services accept credit and debit payments anywhere, anytime. Plus, the online banking platform means your bank is always open. Bank of St. Croix has two locations. One in Gallows Bay at 340-773-8500 and one in Peter's Rest at 340-713-8500. BankofStCroix.com Parent 
Have you struggled with finding safe spaces for your children to meet up and learn through play and social interaction? Teen Time at the VI Children's Museum offers fun family learning for children ages 12 to 18 years old. A free program for all participants. For dates and information, 340-643-0366 or teentime at vichildrensmuseum.org. Here's a fun fact for you. The average chameleon can point their eyes in two different directions. On the other hand, the average human can't. So unless you're a chameleon, there's absolutely no way you can focus on texting and driving at the same time. So don't do it. Unless you're a chameleon. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A message brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, Project Yellow Light, and the Ad Council. The VI Energy Office and the University of the Virgin Islands Caribbean Green Technology Center are hosting the first VI Energy Fair. There will be outdoor live demonstrations, interactive workshops, and leaders from the community will be on site to discuss what the territory is doing to reduce energy costs. The fair will be held at the UVI campuses from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. on St. Thomas on October 15th and on St. Croix on October 30th. For more information about the Energy Fair, cgtc-usvi.org forward slash energy dash fair. And we are back. This is 93.1 WTJXFM, your NPR station in the Virgin Islands. It's Friday and Dr. Brittany Dawson has me hype. She bring energy in um, in her conversation with, you know, I, I'm, I'm calling it radio realness, right? With the radio realness about the healthcare. And when I was introducing you before you arrived, so you probably didn't hear, I looked up at LinkedIn, I was on LinkedIn, right? And I called all of your letters. And I was like, I have no idea what these letters mean. So if you can tell the listening audience what all of those fancy letters behind your name mean. Oh my goodness. There's some missing off of my LinkedIn, actually. So <laughs> um, so it's Dr. Brittany Dawson. It's doctor because I hold a doctorate of nursing practice because I wanted to write policy and really get into um, like public service and, and how you change it that way from like a structural level. And then it's CNM, which is Certified Nurse Midwife. It's APRN, which is Advanced Practice Registered Nurse, which is what nurse practitioners are. So we're APRNs. Um, it's, it says DNP for my doctorates of nursing practice. It also should say like a bunch of other letters like lactation and a bunch of other things that I'm certified in. But um, it's just a fancy way we identify ourselves um, on a <laughs> collegiate level, <laughs> on an academic level, you know, earn my credentials. So when they address me, they know. Okay. I was like, we will have on the show, Dr. Brittany Dawson, DNP, A-P-R-N-C-N-M. I was like, in my head, I was like, I have no idea what any of these things mean and for clarity when you APR and nurse practitioner mm -hmm. I think just you know I always like to just take it a layer deeper just in case there's somebody who doesn't know what exactly does a nurse practitioner do so we are they, they say advanced practice registered nurses because we are actually advanced practice providers so we're providers in um, in many territories 29 out of the 50 states we function completely independent um, and what we do is we bridge the gap between what the our counterparts like doctors and surgeons 
doctors are trained for, which is advanced medicine, like surgeries, things that real complex care. And we are specialists in primary care, like the entry level to care. We prescribe, we diagnose, we treat. Um, and for nurse practitioners, you have to specialize. So you can't do, you can do like family practice, which is broad. Um, but I chose to do women's health and midwifery because I fell in love with it when I was in school. So I knew um, at some point in time I wanted to catch a baby. So the only way to catch a baby is to be a midwife. Mm-hmm. So I'm smiling because just so, so so people know when you have a nurse practitioner, that means as a woman, I can come to you for my annual mm-hmm. my annual checkup. I don't have to go to a gynecologist's office. I could come directly to you and Correct. you would be able to do in your office. If you had a singular office, you'd be able to provide me with all those basic services. And in the Virgin Islands, I've heard candidates because I've been doing candidates speak. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, we've I've heard several candidates three candidates talk about primary care versus what we do in our hospital Mm -hmm. and so I think that's also important for people you know if you've been listening throughout the season like primary care is where you go for your every day you know your everything your run of the mill like I I always tell people my favorite okay this is real so my favorite thing to tell people is like I'm a coochie professional right so if you come in I I don't feel like coochie ain't a bad word I don't know it's not it's technically not a bad word it's not a bad word it still is NPR so you know but so you're right so um I'm a professional so what ends up happening is is that anything that's going on with your body that throws you off course whether you're feeling in primary care like fatigue you have a cold you're you're wondering as long as you identify as female I can treat you right Mm -hmm. so i have women and i i have a special passion for like the our young teeny teeny boppers because i I really like to educate on body and body and how um to respect your body care for your body in a a holistic and, and overall manner and how to teach them like to figure out what's not normal for them um so i do everything once you start um from menstruation till the grave so anything that's going on we do broad primary care so it's really um it's really necessary. I, I wish more, more people would come in on a regular basis, even if it's annually, even if you're feeling good, just to come in to get a checkup so we have a baseline for you if anything ever changes. But I like, so first of all, to the men listening to the show mm-hmm. this morning, thank you for indulging us. I want to, I want to shout out and say that, you know, many of you may be husbands, many of you may be fathers, you know, like, I mean, this conversation is turning towards it's a conversation about women and women's health and the importance we're going to get into like policy a little bit and then we're going to talk about some voting things right but if you are a male and you're listening to us today this conversation is important because you have sisters you have daughters you have wives you have mothers and at some point you may be a part of getting them to primary care. Like if there is an emergency and your sister calls or your wife calls or even your mother says, I need to get to the doctor now. And she's so incapacitated because she's in pain. Mm -hmm. You may not know, but you might end up being a part of that conversation. And so, and, and it's the same for women, right? Understanding what's happening to your son's to your husbands, to your brothers, because we're in a relationship. So if you're listening to us today and you're a male, I want to say shout out for not turning the station because this information, it's we're talking about women, but health is about community. Yeah. Um, and the more information we have, the better. The other thing I want to highlight that you said, which was important, is what's normal for them. Mm-hmm. That said to me that every woman's body has a different normal. Mm-hmm. And as women and girls... 
we have to pay attention and understand what our normal is. Yes. And so that's why it's important to be in relationship with a primary caregiver, mm -hmm. whether it's your gynecologist or your nurse practitioner. Mm hmm. It's really important. I feel like you're, we have we have so many different levels of providers. So we have like nurse practitioners. We have a large number of physician assistants within the territory. And I really want to empower people because when you a lot of times when you go to public health here in the territory, you're seeing mostly nurse practitioners. There are a handful of physicians that that are at those sites, but a lot of a lot of the primary care is provided within the territory from nurse practitioners and PAs. Um, I would challenge everyone, men, women in between um, to make sure that you're going out and taking care of yourself. The only way... Um the only way to do so is to to actually see someone and a lot of times we ignore as a people we've come to a place where we ignore discomforts we ignore body pains we ignore um stuff because we're like oh i'm just aging i'm this but you know if if you're hurting or you have anything that's not that falls outside of what would be considered your normal and i want to challenge pain is not normal joint pain back pain headaches all that stuff those are not normal life things that you should be dealing with you should be coming in to talk to someone about it and really taking on a approach to your health that means um let's live a gentle life like let's live soft lives i'm tired mm. of fighting mm -hmm. I, but you know what we have to fight so many or it feels like mm -hmm. we are fighting in so many places in in the world not just in st croix right mm -hmm. because i think people think the fight is here alone mm -hmm. and there's just so much struggle and so much angst and so many things that a human being has to provide that i think mm -hmm. we normal we have normalized living in pain i know i have mm -hmm. and i want to say i also think I don't think I've ever heard this level of conversation about the female body on the radio. So I feel like we're being a little groundbreaking um, <laughs> in VI radio. Like we don't talk very, we talk very high level about mm -hmm. what care is. And, you know, you should go to the doctor and we should have a doctor and we need to fix our hospitals yeah. and like that. But what it looks like and feels like to one subset, we're talking about women today, what their experiences are. I feel like, this is a really important conversation because underneath the healthcare, mm -hmm. there are different subgroups that are being serviced. Correct. Um, and in this today, we happen to be talking about women. Talk to me about your DNP, the policy piece that excites you. The policy piece excites me because one of the things like what we don't really take a grasp at is what it means to exist in rural healthcare, but I really want people to start saying extremely rural healthcare because rural healthcare in the mainland looks like driving two hours, driving three hours to another facility. We cannot go somewhere else without flying and being emergency evacuated. It means that if something happens here, we cannot look for help um, from across the borders, people are going to have to fly in or, or, or boat in to help us, which means that we are extremely rural healthcare, right? So it means that I love the idea of our political platforms when they're talking about, we need this new hospital, we need all these new providers, we need this no. I would challenge them to say, we need to get really, really good at primary and preventative care. That's mm. what we need to become good at. Because if we can treat the root causes of things and really get people just just a baseline of, and I say soft life because that's the new little model thing that we see out there right now. But having a coming to a gentle approach with ourselves um, will help us take better care of ourselves.
themselves and in the long run prevent a lot of these um, more emergency situations that we see coming up. And I do think we need a new hospital. I do think we need more providers. I think we need all of that. But I really want um, to challenge us to say, let's look at primary care. Let's look at preventative medicine. Let's look at taking a different approach to our health and saying that pain and discomfort and this tough life, that's not normal, man. Like it is not. And when we start looking at that, we start looking at things like mental health and how we have such a high functioning depressive community here. We have such a high functioning PTSD and post, which is post traumatic stress disorders and things like that, high functioning anxiety. And, and because we are a minority community, when minor, minority is a lie, I agree with you. But since we are existing in this, it's normal. It's normal. So, I mean, extremely rural health, right? Mm-hmm. I, like you, you, you bring in that up and it, the first thing I thought about is our food situation. Everybody mm-hmm. knows summer is always talking about agriculture. Summer is talking about food all the time and all the things we have to import in order to feed ourselves and grow food. I imagine that's it's the same thing in the healthcare. We're importing um, all the medicine, all everything. the equipment, everything mm-hmm. the hospital needs, right? So even when we have, right, let's say in a Correct. perfect scenario, mm-hmm. we rebuilt the hospital, everything's working, everything that everybody has been saying has happened, we are still vulnerable. Always. Right? So <laughs> I think it's when you said extremely rural, that highlighted, yes, we need to work to fix systems mm-hmm. and we need to actually understand the reality of the water that we're swimming in. Mm-hmm. Um I want, you know, you do a lot of things yeah. Um, and you're super active and we're here talking about you as a healthcare professional. Um, and I want to say, hey, moms, if you have young daughters, even if Brittany is not their primary care person, I think they should meet her. And here's why. Young people need to see the next step, right? Mm-hmm. Like, so I'd always say it's hard for a seven-year-old or a 13-year-old to look at a 50-year-old and be like, I want to be that person. Yeah. To look at a 30-year-old and a 20-year-old. You know, um, Alan Nance was on and he was talking about possibility. Mm-hmm. When people see that trajectory, like the next step to me is this, mm-hmm. a young nurse, a young doctor, then it's like, oh, I could be that. And... um that was just a total sidebar from where my brain was going because I just wanted to get that out. <laughs> but what I was talking about is the other things that you do in our community. And one of them um, is organize things, right? And help people get active. And so you have you have an event coming up. I do. Oh, my gosh. Okay. So I initially... Ugh. I'm going to say that, you know, I always say the community, your voice is your biggest is your biggest weapon. Right. So you can weaponize your opinion real quick and easy in this territory if you're willing to really take a stance on on what you hold your ground on. And I think that for a long time and I really want to say I believe it's because our community is just exhausted. They're ju- we're just waiting for something better to come along. And we're just at a point where, like, I'm going to live life and try to do the best I can with what I have. But I don't believe in um in sustained struggle. I believe that we all deserve a chance to thrive, right? Mm. So in order to thrive, we have to be willing to participate in what that change looks like. And it, and I don't believe it's just a political or a politician's job to do so. I believe that the biggest change comes from the one person in the community that's willing to stand up and make a difference, right? So I work in, and I always say, I'd, I plug into stuff I can make a difference in. And for me, that's always been like the healthcare platform, women's health, really trying to figure out what I can do um, within the territory. So I'm working on launching my nonprofit. But right now we're in a political season and I really haven't heard a lot of people, especially the younger generation, talking about um, what's going on in the political arenas. And they're not talking about our candidates. And I'm like, yo, like 
you guys really need to pay attention to what these people are saying. Like you really need to pay attention to what they're telling you and then fact check it, right? So that you know they're lying to me. Like, you know what I mean? So I wanted to host a conversation on why it's important to vote because I started looking at, and I'm a queen of data. Like I love numbers because numbers drives decisions. So I started looking at the um, election um, and board of election here in the territory and the numbers from the last couple of elections. And it is grossly declining the people who are participating in politics and what i want to say is that as millennials and younger generations we want our um we want more of us to be represented in politics but we're not voting we're not coming out to vote so if, you know i knew you were coming right and mm-hmm. so i was like i have to define some of this for the, our listening audience right when we talk about gen z we're talking about people who are 10 to 25 right now yeah millennials 26 to 41 mm-hmm. gen x 42 to 57 Boomers 2, 58 to 67. Boomers 1, 68 to 76. I didn't know there was a Boomers 2. <laughs> I didn't either. I Googled it this morning. Google is my friend. Um, and uh, that was just interesting to me because we talk a lot here in the Virgin Islands about the millennial vote, right? So as we have this conversation, we're actually talking because people, you know, you assume you hear the word millennial and we're thinking children. No. But, but millennials are no longer children. They're no longer children. We turned people. around and we're now the adults. Yes. They're people <laughs> ages 26 to 41, yes. right? Full grown adults. And mm-hmm. so we're, we're wanting to look at where is this population in the vote? Mm-hmm. I would like, I would like everyone to know because they think I'm a millennial. Mm-hmm. Millennial. I am a Gen X person. I am Gen X people. Uh-oh. I'm not. I mean, I love millennials. Uh-huh. I'm really close. I'm 1978. Uh-huh. I'm just two years You're just on the cusp. I'm yeah. on the cusp of the millennial window. But uh-huh. I feel really good because Neville would be like, "Oh, you was a baby." I'd be like, "I was not." Tell I, him you look good, though. That's why. They think oh. you, yeah, you look good. You look and, younger. And Neville would be a boomer too. Because uh-huh. lately on the radio, he's like, "I'm 58. I'm 58." Okay, you're a boomer. You're a boomer. I'm a Gen X. And you would be a millennial. Yeah, I'm a millennial. So, and it, it's tough because we want to see more of us in politics. We want to see more of us in leadership. But to do it, we have to be engaged because we got to be able to vote them in, right? Mm-hmm. And this bracket of voters is really tough. It's really tough. No, it, this bracket of voters is really tough. We are going to prep to go to a break. And when we come back in our last round, I want to talk about why we think it's tough. Who's at, who's coming to your event, mm-hmm. who your event is for and when it is happening. All right. um, because I I what I want to say to to the listening audience is I got some data. I, I called, you know, I called um, the board of elections mm-hmm. and we're looking at unofficial primary data Ooh. versus um, what happened last time, last four mm-hmm. years. We went back to another gubernatorial mm-hmm. so we could see if there's an increase or a decline, but it doesn't necessarily translate to more people voting. It could just be more people early voting. Mm-hmm. So we're going to get, yeah, we're going to take a break. We'll be right back with the amazing Dr. Brittany Dawson. And we're talking about health care and millennial voting. Yes.
Good morning, neighbor. I see you got your bumper stickers and your hat sign up, Pauline. Yes, I'm so ready for this election season. Me too. Just waiting for the info on the polling places and then ballots. What polling places? You mean voting centers? The election system is using voting centers this year, where you can go anywhere across the island, walk in, fill out a ballot. Just bring your ID. Really? Because my daughter lives in Tutu, but walk all the way by the airport and would try to run back home before the sun goes down to vote. Nope. You're no longer stuck to just your neighborhood on election day. Voting centers mean you can vote anywhere in your district. And the next time, try the early voting option too. Skip the line altogether on election day. Girl, you have all the good tips this year, man. So, who's going to win? Ha! Read my yard sign. Then pick any voting center. Just remember, voting is not just your right. It's, it's the, the right, right thing, thing to do. A message from the election system of the Virgin Islands. To protect his home and family from disaster, Steve used courage, wisdom, and his camera phone. That should do it. Way to go, Steve! By simply taking digital pictures of his family's important documents, Steve can always have them stored safely online, no matter when disaster strikes. Learn other simple ways to protect your home and family before a natural disaster at ready.gov. That's ready.gov. A message from FEMA and the Ad Council. Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me is a pretty tough quiz about the week's news. In fact, it's so tough that it drove Leonard Nimoy, Mr. Spock himself, to distraction. This shouldn't be Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. This should be, come on, give me a break. I know. <laughs> hey, if we could do that to a Vulcan, imagine what thrills lie in store for you. Join us for this week's Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, the news quiz from NPR. Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, Saturdays at 1 p.m. on WTJX-FM. Good morning, good morning, good morning. If you are just tuning in, you are listening to me, Summer Sibley Brown, talk to the Dr. Brittany Dawson um, about women's healthcare, I feel, which is like a groundbreaking conversation online, I mean, on air. And also now we're, we're kind of rounding the corner and talking about um, voting. And mm-hmm. the connection is that Dr. Brittany Dawson is a doctor of DNP, which is, which is doctor of nurse practice. Practice or policy? What if I? It's doctor of nursing practice. So our nursing practice is driven by policy, right? Oh, so okay. when you do your doctor of nursing practice, you it's a um, to be able to implement um, rapid transition policy and practice. So what you do is you, you have to collect all this data, do all this research, have a project, implement the project, collect the data, and change it over like five cycles to then have the best outcomes, right? So. Um, it's the idea of policy writing, and I got, I love that because I feel like how you make real systemic long term changes through policy, and how we get policy in is by voting, which Correct. is which, which is how we got to the conversation about um, your event that you're planning. Um, hopefully, many people come out, and it's really you were saying to drive. Um, millennials, that population which we just established is 26 to 41 mm-hmm. to like come out and vote. Yes. So, tell me what you see amongst your peers. I see them saying they're just they're just tired. They, they're tired of the same old, same old and the, they're not really as engaged in politics I would as I would have loved to see and I think a lot of them are just like, what does my vote matter, right? Like, mm-hmm. what does my vote matter? And I really, 
I really want to point out, so when we had the conversation online initially, which is voting one-on-one, so we're having an event at Levels on Thursday, which is the this Thursday coming up, which is the third. At, it starts at 6.30. We'll have snacks for you. Um, to have the conversation around the community vote, which is the voices around voting. And I wanted to have kind of like a mixed genre of people. So I brought over um, Brigitte Berry, who's coming over from St. Thomas. Darren, who's here in St. Croix, who has his um, like platform as well. And he's done a lot of community service efforts i reached out to you because i was like summer is a powerhouse voice she's so intelligent <laughs> she'd be an amazing and i thought i really thought you were like 41 so i did think you were a millennial but now you know it works out great for me because i, I can say i have um one of our elders <laughs> that, that's not funny that's not cute she's like one of my one of our elders yeah I'll- coming through strong for <laughs> us to have a, a voice on on the panel as well and then kai nelson who's had a c- completely political he's been you know a member of a lot of different organizations he's really one of the younger youngest um for rotary club in west to be the president so you know i'm like these are great voices who all have very different apparent opinions very different experiences that is true that is yeah um so i am i Mm -hmm. I was excited when you reached out to me and Mm -hmm. i did and i immediately said yes Mm -hmm. um because i agree with you that um the voices around voting and people understanding the power of their vote is really really important um, earlier you said something about critical timing and I do think that it is critical timing for millennials um, and the generations after them to kind of start entering um, the voting populace and making their opinions and holding holding officials accountable. I say that mm-hmm. a lot, right, that your, your experience with our election system and the electorate does not end at the voting box. Nope. It actually begins mm-hmm. like January... 2023 we have a different job this mm-hmm. around this time it's vetting who we want to give our vote to mm-hmm. and you exercise that in january now it's about accountability and engagement and listening. paying attention paying, paying attention. attention but in, in in a case like yours if you can informing policy reviewing it mm-hmm. sharing it with people saying hey this is what could serve more women so i'm excited that you're hosting this event and it's called you know community vote the voices around voting mm-hmm. and um like you said you picked a breath of voting it starts at 6 30 what is your greatest hope that comes out of this the conversation. So I really want um, everyone, I, I don't care if you're young, old, in between. I, I love the term in between, but I really want the, especially the younger voices, I want the older generation to come out and sit and listen, right? And then I want the younger generation to show up and really voice your concerns because this is an opportunity. And, you know, I invite all the political, the people, the senators and, and whoever wants to come and have a conversation, the governor, our running governor, um, candidates to come out and really hold space for other people to share why they're exhausted or wh- why they feel like either they're engaged or not engaged. Because there's a there's a group of the in-between that feels like the system itself is just made to oppress them. And I can agree with that. But the only way to change that is to change who represents that system and really work on the policies and stuff around that. So for me, it's like, let's have the conversation. Let's really engage and let's dive into some of our issues that we see um, plaguing our community and how we can make a difference. And then how do we change that like okay if you're tired and you're this what can we do in in our different aspects to really drive and hold these um political voices accountable and our votes like within this territory i really want people to understand that your vote that like that single vote is so powerful because if we could all get on the same accord we could have a completely Mm. different political arena instantly because 
I tell somebody I went to the boat, the float jam in West, and I don't go out often. So I went to the float jam in West, and there was like five thousand people. But if all of us, and they were all like. I would say 40 and under at the, the event, but uh, even younger than that, I would say less than 30 was most of that population. If every one of those people decided I'm going to vote in this one millennial, no one could stop them. Literally, no one could stop no them. No one could stop them. But so you're talking about, first of all, holding space, which I mm-hmm. think you, the the concept is not new, but it feels new, right? Because you, you're asking for that listening exchange, right? Mm-hmm. Not to come and say what you what you can do, but actually to hear from a, a, a subset of voters what is needed, what's missing, what are the conditions we need to create for them to thrive here, mm-hmm. why they aren't participating or are participating, right? So, you know, the invitation for... The elders, mm-hmm. the me's in the community and above, <laughs> to come out and 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 listen mm-hmm. and listen to the voices um, in the community around what what they need and why they might vote or not vote. That's a super important. And I also feel like sacred, like it's necessary. It's that it's that intergenerational connection. Right. Not just let it. So please, I hope people listening, if you follow, come out on November third. I think another thing that you said earlier. Is you was like in the Virgin Islands, you could easily weaponize your voice or vote. Yeah. Right. And I think we see that a lot. Mm-hmm. But with the weaponization, I don't feel like it is long lived. Mm-hmm. I feel like it it's like short, quick, pointed darts, mm-hmm. but people are not actually following through with the with that weaponization to the voters box. Correct. Right. Mm-hmm. So so it's like you got tongue lashing, people people call you out, people mm-hmm. say what you have or haven't done. But and then they're right back in office. Be- but because we don't, we don't, we, there is no follow through. And mm-hmm. like, so millennial follow through, um, and not against mm-hmm. anybody, but for the kind of Virgin Islands that you want to live yeah. in is what I hope. That's why I'm participating, Correct. right? Yeah. Because it's to encourage the follow through so we can build something, not destroy. Um, my my other question, I wanted to share with you some numbers, right? So um, these are unofficial mm-hmm. um, voting numbers that we got from early voting, right? And so in, to- when was the last vote? In 20... 20- 2020. 2018. 20, yeah, 18 was the last gubernatorial race. Gubern- gubernatorial. So early voting numbers um, in between 35 and 44 was 167 mm-hmm. people. That was on the island of St. Croix. Um, St. John was five. St. Thomas was 170. In the unofficial number in 2022 for early voting, Today and early voting hasn't closed. Closes on the thirty first. Is three hundred and fifty two on Saint Croix. It is seventeen on Saint John, and two hundred and ninety six um, on Saint Thomas. Right. Mm-hmm. I think those. I, I think we're looking at like okay. We have a, a slight increase. I really want people to focus that overall, we have like 56,000 vo- registered voters in the territory. And 87, about yeah. 87,000 people live here, yes. right? So it's either on November 8th, there's going to be a flood mm-hmm. of people mm-hmm. voting or... They just early voted. 
or we really have some type, I, I want to call it voter apathy mm-hmm. here in the territory because while the numbers are increasing, the numbers are low. Yeah, they're still, that's my thing. Like I looked at the, ele- our numbers now, What I, that's my thing. When looking at the elections at our one overall registered voter service, somewhere around 50, don't quote me, but somewhere around 55, 56,000 registered, right? 83,000 in the territory, somewhere around their general numbers. Um, we That's like 30,000 people who aren't registered at all, right? And then there's another, like, so say we say 10% of those don't qualify, so we take 3,000 out of that or whatever, but that's still another 25, 27,000 people who could be eligible that could be voting, right? And then we turn around and we say we have the millennial group. I think the, the, the under 41 group makes up, um, almost half of the, more than half of the registered voters, but the numbers in the last election was something like 15,000, less than like 20,000 people voted overall. So if you have 56,000 registered, uh, less than half of them showed up to the polls, why? Why are, why are we not showing up to the polls? Then, and it really concerns me because I'm, I'm, I'm so scared. I don't think people really like it's it's wild to say and I know I sound crazy. You don't Okay, but okay, good. But I'm so scared to to lose um the chances that we may have um in the political arena because of lack of engagement because we deserve to know what's happening to us. And I'm not just talking about policy like engagement just to vote. I'm talking about what you were saying, like come January when these elected officials take offices and they appoint commissioners and we do these things like Pay attention to what's happening to us. You know, yesterday, I, my goddaughter, my youngest goddaughter mm-hmm. is in Proby Larson. Mm-hmm. And I was on my way to early vote. And she is, she's 12, 13, Marley's 12 or 13. Mm-hmm. Oh gosh, 13. And um, I was talking and I was like, Marley, so why do you think it's important to vote? Mm-hmm. And her answer to me was something like, Nenny, you know, as, as women... And as black people, it takes us long to be able to get to vote. And I don't want us to lose that. Mm, mm-hmm. Right? I don't want us to lose that. And, you know, like they say, out of the mouth of babes. Her answer shocked me. Scared. Mm-hmm. Um, Scary. But it, but, it is, but it is real. It is real that the, it, even in our current status, mm-hmm. if, we don't, if we're not representing ourselves here, mm-hmm. how do we seek larger representation? Like, you know... We do have a delegate to Congress. There, there, there is, there is a mobilization needed, and we can't place it all on our elders. We can't place it all on the boomers mm-hmm. and the boomers too. Yeah, right. Like, it's not. I I really do think that we're at a place where that we should be baton passing, right? So, like my mom, my mother's a boomer, right? And one of my greatest accomplishments in the last few years in being home is I went from being Bridget Data to now my mother being Brittany Mora. Okay? Uh, uh, yes, the transfer. <laughs> so, and then it went from being Miss Mary Grandata to, oh, you must be Brittany Grandmother. So that's, it's a, it's a really fun, um, poke fun at them kind of thing. But that's what we should be gearing up for right now. Like we, as um, the Gen Zers and the, the millennials and, and even our Gen Xers, are, we are the leaders and we are b- baton passing. So our boomers should be prep- helping us and guiding us, but we should be the voices that are coming into the community because we should hit the ground. You should be hitting the ground hot if you have the privilege to do so. You know what I mean? So, but, and so, but what you're talking about is is healthy community relations and intergenerational mm-hmm. relationship and the understanding of that 
yes we elect there is there is the elected mm-hmm. and they have a they have a role but we actually are the community mm-hmm. that you know give consent to govern shout out to neville for telling for using that word i here. love that consent to govern yes consent to govern we are the ones who hold them accountable mm-hmm. we are the ones who they should be stewarding every policy mm-hmm. um uh, budget oversight that constituent work it's actually all about us that 15 mm-hmm. their job and you know that 15 the 26 commissioners the executive branch mm-hmm. they're a small subset of people whose job is to care for provide hold infrastructure mm-hmm. build out for the 87,000 right but if the 87,000 is not present and accounted for mm-hmm. then even for them they're at a loss because they're not hearing the voices that they should guide. And we leave them to, um, in effect, act as supermen and superwomen. Mm-hmm. And then we we get really frustrated with them for not building communities based on our values. Yeah. But a lot of us ain't present to share what our values are. And it's the same group of us that are. You know <laughs> what I mean? That's the problem. So my thing is, is like, be present. So the November 3rd event at Lovells is really geared around, let's the voices, the community vote, like the voices around voting and why it's so important. One of the, the really things I, I locked into is that a, a friend of mine and someone that I really value within the community who's done the work, a, a young gentleman, of um, Dennis R. Lynch, ran for Board of Education in the general in the general election as a Democrat because he, be, he aligns himself with the Democratic Party. Um, and he ran in the general election. He is track record on paper resume in person engaged in a community has a son in public school doing what he needs to be doing um and lost by 111 votes you know how small of a margin that is and if millennials had, had come, come out, out if his peers had if his up. peers had showed up to vote we had i had more than more than that many people in my graduating class right so, so even if his even if the class he graduated with showed up to vote had showed up to vote mm-hmm. he might have been in a different situation correct and when you look at the numbers it wasn't the millennials that voted in the the, the general election it was it was you know the the boomers and the and the the gen xers that were primarily voting and i i told him i said you know it sounds bad. I said, you may have done better if you had ran as an independent, even though you align with the Democratic Party and, and hope that in the primary that you would have gotten through because more people would have showed up. But if we're not showing up in the first step, which is just simply coming out to vote, how are we going to show up in the long run? Today, this was an exciting morning with mm-hmm. Dr. Brittany Dawson talking health care, voting. Mm-hmm. You need to show up for both. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and we will see you in hour two. This is Analyze This. I am Summer Sibley Brown filling in for Neville James, 93.1, your WTJX FM. The views and opinions expressed on Analyze This are entirely those of the on-air participants and do not reflect those of the station's board, management, staff, or underwriters. El sistema de elecciones de las Islas Vírgenes lo está haciendo más fácil para que tú formes parte de nuestro equipo por medio de nuestro programa de voluntarios. Estamos en busca de personas buenas como tú que puedan proveer a cada votante el apoyo que necesitan para que efectivamente puedan participar en el proceso de votación. Puede comenzar recogiendo y completando la aplicación para voluntarios de cualquiera de nuestras oficinas en el territorio. Usted puede servir como monitor. 
También tienes la opción de convertirte en un facilitador, asegurando que los votantes que están votando por primera vez, los envejecientes y la comunidad de deshabilitados puedan votar con confidencia y acertadamente. Si tienes el tiempo y estás dispuesto a servir, hay un lugar para ti. Solo inscríbete. Si quieres más información, llama al 340-773-1021. Y recuerda, el votar no es solo su derecho. 